You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. It is Wednesday night, a night earlier than usual, Thursday morning for you guys who woke up, went to work, and are looking forward to tonight's game. The Giants are headed to San Francisco to play the 49ers on a Thursday night matchup. Cranky, how are you feeling? Well, uh... NYCFC won tonight. I just got back from the match, so that's something to keep me kind of happy for a couple of minutes until we talk about this upcoming matchup. Uh, this is a tough one, Grump. This is, uh, you know, when the schedule came out, the first thing we saw was, ooh, you know, three days rest before going out to San Francisco, and that's before, you know, our two best players and, you know, 40% of our offensive line wasn't going to play, so... I think we had to have to recalibrate what our expectations for for a game like this, and let's not make it a referendum of anything of real importance going forward, I think, because this is a very tall mountain to climb. Yeah, absolutely. It sucks because it's at a critical part of the season. You know what I mean? Uh, Given the way that this season started, the fan perspective, it's going to be really hard to not draw major conclusions, right? Because the the first game was a complete disappointment. The second game started out bad, ended high. I think everyone's looking to see that momentum continue, but you've got mounting injuries, like you said. You've got a short week, like you said. You've got a really tough opponent, like you said. You've got a bad matchup. like like You know what I mean? Like It's not just that San Francisco's good. They're a terrible matchup for us. Yeah, um, I, I, so, I agree. But it's going to be difficult for fans to separate that because of just the trajectory of the way the season started. So, uh, I mean, I guess we're going to do our job when we preview this game tonight by being level-headed, responsible podcast hosts. Listen to us. <laughs> um, and throughout our preview of this matchup, I will be drinking... Uh, Brooklyn Brewing, which is not a small company, but um, it's all I had in my fridge. Um, and why am I talking about what I'm drinking? Because they are a company that makes a quality product, which is not unlike the podcast you're listening to. So um, they deserve some word of mouth promotion from people who are satisfied customers. So that is not altogether different than this podcast, and I wish you all would join me in drinking a Brooklyn Brewing beer and recommending Just Giants to fellow Giants fans. I love Brooklyn Brewing, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a good one. I'm drinking a Bel Air Sour right now, and I feel like that's appropriate for um, going to California getting ready to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I was going to pop in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for a little bit, uh, but, you know. But my joke was better. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. You know, it's, uh, that was my Thursday night joke coming off of a bad joke performance, you know, four days earlier. I'm I'm sorry. I am, so, uh, I'm going to be watching this game with Mr. Tim Coffey. Ooh, how about that? Friend of, uh 
friend of ours. I will be in North Carolina, so I will be watching the game down there. I'm flying out as you guys are listening to this. This releases. I will be in the air. I will be watching this with the cranky wife, who is a diehard 49er fan. So this will be a tough one for me. This is a big family rivalry, obviously. You know, I've gotten to her in NFC Championship games, but this one, uh, fortunately, we have no bet on this game which is very fortunate for me. Yeah. Um, she's had her, I mean, she was with us uh, for that last second win with Larry Donnell, which might have also been a Thursday night game. No, I don't think so. I don't it, think it, so. It, was, it was definitely a night game, though. I don't know if it was Sunday or Monday. I think it was I think it was a Monday night game, if I remember. Um, she was stuck with that one. She went with you to the wild card matchup. Or, I'm sorry, the NFC Championship. NFC Championship game, that classic one in the rain and everything. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Did you guys? But, you, know, you, you guys didn't know each other during the uh, the field goal attempt. Oh, 1990. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Uh, in 2000. Um... Oh no, no. Because if we did, we would probably be divorced. Because that again. Oh, was that like this... your your pissiest? That, to me, was the angriest I have ever been after a sporting event, ever. And I don't think there's really much to get. I mean, I did not come out of my room for a day. I boycotted watching the uh, the rest of the playoffs because I was just like, they're going to have such bullshit, they don't, they're not worthy of my TV rating. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. That was the that was beginning of 2003. So I yeah, met her. Yeah, that's what I thought. I met her that fall after it, and it was still wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm old, guys. I'm not. I'm not no, 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 no. I just. It's just <laughs> yeah. funny. She met just after. She just missed. It's a good thing because right now I'd probably be the uh, the cranky bachelor because I don't <laughs> know. If, I don't know if that really in the, you know the beginning seeds of a relationship that that would have survived that that bullshit that went on after that game. So, um, all right, let's. Let's talk a little bit about headlines. Um, sure. Giants are incredibly injured, so we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just start with the injury report. Declared out already uh, is Ben Bredesen with a concussion. He's still in next week. Uh, Zizo Jolari, hamstring, they're not even going to bother. I don't blame them. Same thing with Andrew Thomas, and again, I don't blame them. And Saquon Barkley, I believe, is officially out now. He's out. He's yeah. officially out. With the ankle. Um, like, not... Like 10 hours ago, I think Brian Dable said, uh, I'm not saying he's out yet. He's a fast healer. Um, I was going to make this point more more emphasized uh, until I saw that Jordan Renan pretty much already just, just called it out. Saquon Barkley is not a fast healer. Saquon Barkley, every time he hurts <laughs> his ankle, he misses the same amount of games. And every single time it happens... He comes back and he's not as good and he admits it later that he was still recovering. It's not that he came back too fast, but he wasn't 100%. Yet. This is the same thing we always hear. Um, he, has a, he has a higher tolerance for pain. That doesn't make him – that's not the equivalent of being a fast healer. Well, I think also is Saquon Barkley – Saquon Barkley is an athletic weapon. That's why he's on the franchise tag essentially. That's why he commands the money he does. That's why he was drafted – where he was drafted when he is not a hundred percent all the way him he is just a running back so it's 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 not necessarily that he has like a high tolerance for pain i don't think it's just when he's not a hundred percent he's not 
a weapon. He's just a fast running back. You know, no, I, I, I'm there for actually getting back on the field. Like he's like, oh, he's I understand. He's playing. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's I think it's more so that uh, he's just he's not dynamic when he's not him. And oh, if he course. comes back yeah. and he's not him, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So I I I'm just calling bullshit on that. Uh. And I mean, that's Dable just clearly lying, right? We knew he was gonna be out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what's the point? Right? Well, you know, if you if you have to spend thirty seconds preparing for Saquon Barkley, it's thirty seconds less you prepare for something else. I mean, I, I meant, what's the point of playing him? There wouldn't have been, right? There's, I there's mean, absolutely zero point. Yeah. I mean, again, remember, even if he, you know, is still playing behind, you know, forty percent of an offensive line that's out, it's not optimal. So, why not? If he's not a hundred percent, why risk it when you're not playing behind the line? It's close to hundred percent. It doesn't make no sense. And so we are, as I say, this is only week three. There's a long season. We have play, We still have, what, so how many more uh, division games do we have left? How many conference games do we have left? There's a whole season to play. So, Yeah, so, so let me ask you this. Given what I just said, that Barkley usually misses three to four weeks with ankles and that every time he comes back from ankles, he's not quite himself, he probably needs, let's say, six weeks mm-hmm. trying out any running backs. I would. I, I mean, would too, gonna, man. Yeah, and also, yeah, there's no there's no harm in it. I mean, you know, you got to think about, you know, who do we have now? We have Matt Breda, who's, you know, I, I guess he's a good. He's a second, change of pace right change now. Change of pace guy. Yeah, but Gary Brightwell, we didn't think he was going to be on the roster before the season's out. And we have um, Eric Gray, who's, you know, can't pass block. And that was one of my big concerns. Remember, I said in training camp, he might not even make the team because he can't pass block. He, you know, but putting him out there is a, you know, a liability to your franchise quarterback. So, yeah, <laughs> unless you're going to try something funky with the offense and just be like, we're going to throw short passes to, um, you know. Yeah, but for several weeks, no way. For, like for 50 times a game which is not smart yeah i think they have to do something like that they have to bring in at least bring in guys to take a look so that's what i think is going to happen i expect it to happen when they come home i don't think it made much sense to try out anybody while they stayed on the west coast um though they did try out one person we'll talk about that in a minute um but I, i think they'll actually take a good look at running backs um when they return home after this game and i think that uh i think they're gonna sign someone uh, I would. Uh, y- yeah. You know, I, I, we, I, we had concerns with Gray making this team over Jay Sean Corbin. You know, Eric Gray didn't really show much of anything in the preseason. He had one power rush for a touchdown at one point in the preseason. I think he had like, you know, maybe like one other little burst up the middle for like eight to ten yards or something like that. But mostly was, you know, clearly a rookie. Um, yes. and Jay Sean Corbin, we you know we made the the argument that he's more ready to play right now, and he's gone. I mean, he wound up with like Indianapolis or Washington or something. I forget, um, but he's gone. So I think they're just gonna have to bring somebody in, if for no other reason, in case Breda gets hurt. Because now, if you're down to Brightwell and Gray, then you're really in trouble. 
Yeah, exactly. Then you have to throw the ball like 50 times a game, and nobody wants to do that. We, you know, no. Um, while they were out there, they tried out Justin Pugh, former draft pick of the New York Giants, former first-round pick of the New York Giants, uh, was a right tackle for a bit, then became a left guard, and then he was not re-signed and wound up with Arizona. He's been injured a lot. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they sign him? Uh, I do not think they will. I think you just – if you call – if his name is John Smith instead of Justin Pugh, this wouldn't even be something we'd be talking about, I think. It's just, you know – I know a lot of fans are actually clamoring, you know, why don't they sign him? He's sitting around. When an offensive lineman is sitting around, that usually means he's not good. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I know we're kind of in a, a little bit of a pickle right now. We need bodies, but, you know, a guy that's just been sitting around – you know, is he in football shape? Is he ready to go? I don't know. I, I, I that to me, I, I don't see him being signed personally. I'm not sure that I see him being signed yet. I think that working out guys is, you know, you, you take notes at what you see. You take note of his physical or whatever he does medically. And uh, I don't think they're ready to make a move with any of that yet. But I think that they are... Uh, I, I guess dotting some eyes, crossing some T's. I, I, I think it's to me. It's like yeah, they're kicking tires around. And I think yeah, they they're, they're doing due diligence for the future. They should be doing their due diligence because again, we would be we would be more upset that they just you know kind of you know well let's roll the always be prepared and always in the event something happens and uh, you know I, I just personally don't think that he would be the guy who's really going to make much of a difference of anything if you bring him in there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that it's not necessarily um, a reaction to a really bad concussion by Ben Bredesen, but I do, I do think that it's a reaction to the concussion in a sense that um, they don't have really good depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got guys hurt all along the line already. So this is sort of like in the near future, if one more go- guy goes down, we're screwed. They know who they've already kicked tires on. They know how Justin Pugh is, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to guys that they already had in camp that are still maybe available or something like that or on the practice squad. Um, that's all I think that is. I agree. Um, one other thing I want to talk about from the Cardinals game. Art Stapleton put out this tweet. Um, and he hi- he's highlighting that... He doesn't understand why Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were... He understands why they weren't on the field 98% of snaps like they were last year and the whole concerted effort to bring in bodies that were more than scrubs to allow them time to rest, but not while they were on the field during touchdown plays. And I just think that that's a huge oversimplification because it's as, it, it, it's pretty much blaming the touchdown plays on them not being on the field. So I'm going to read a couple of plays from each of the first four drives that Arizona had. In the first drive, there was also a 17-yard run and a 12-yard pass play. Both of those plays, Dexter Lawrence was in. On the second drive, there was a 13-yard run in which both Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were on the field and a 20-yard pass in which Dexter Lawrence was on the field. In the third drive, there was a 23-yard pass, a 14-yard pass, and another 14-yard pass, all of which had both of them on the field. 
then a 23-yard scramble for a touchdown in which neither were on the field. So, I mean, he's kind of implying that in the short and to-goal situations, they weren't on the field. The 23-yard run by Josh Dobbs was a pass play in which he scrambled for man coverage, scrambled out of a collapsing pocket, sort of, and then trucked over Xavier McKinney. Now, most importantly, I'm going to highlight the the fourth drive here because... There were three straight plays. There were five straight plays that they were on the field together. Okay? A four-yard run, a five-yard run, then another five-yard run. That was three plays in a row. It was a first down right there. Both of them on the field. Um, A negative two-yard run in which Leo was assisting on the tackle, but it was mostly Jason Pinnock. Then a 22-yard pass in which they were both on the field. Okay? It's just... I, I feel like... It's a very oversimplification of the problems with the defense. Like I said, like when we did the review episode, I went through and I tried to find a singular person, a singular problem on the defensive line personnel-wise, and I didn't see it. I saw good plays and bad plays by everyone. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, based on what I outlined, did I am – I, am I thinking the right way here? I, I don't think you're exactly I, – I, to me – it's one of those things that's like process over actual results. It is kind of like – I go back to like a baseball analogy where – or blackjack. Even blackjack is probably a better one where, okay, I played by the book exactly right. And on a couple of hands, I won. and a couple of hands, I still lost. To me, it's – I would try to minimize as much as I can having both guys – not on the field at the same time because you're right you know there's going to be there's going to be plays where it's regardless who's on the field they're going to give up a big play or a score or whatever um i think he cherry picks a little bit in this actual like to i think to your point just cherry picking well they scored these three times and you know when these guys are on, on there but i don't i i think it, again it, it's like my blackjack thing i again i think that you know you're trying to get a rotation, but that rotation should be scheduled out and kind of think where at least one of those guys is always on the field. Those are your best interior linemen. They're the guys you pay the most money for. Those are the guys that make the most impact. And yes, we have developed a little more of a rotation. We developed some more depth than we did last year maybe, but there is a drop-off from those two guys. So I think that's all – that's what my point is, is that – you know, unless there's injury or something, I would try as much as I can have at least one of those guys on the field at all times. And that's fair. Um, but the thing is, that's not what he's saying. Um, that's not what this tweet says. And also, yeah, that, but- that's that's also not the aim of what the front office did. So, I mean, while that might be what you did, they made an effort to make sure that they weren't on the field 98% of snaps. And the only thing I'm saying is that There was, on the first four drives of the game, pretty much the only scoring drives that Arizona had, there were chunk plays in which these guys were in. So, yeah, you can play your hand as many times. I'm just saying, picking anything from that game as a singular reason or even a shadow of a reason, there were plenty of plays in which both guys were in and it didn't matter. And they were sustained every single drive that they scored on. Yeah, I'm not disputing what you're saying, but... You can have it where they're not. There's you could do both things at the same time. Not have them both playing ninety eight percent of the plays, but also not having plays where neither guy is on there. 
that's fair. Um, that's my only point. No, no, no. And I think that's a fair point. I think also the spirit of what Art is saying is kind of correct. I mean, like, I'm I'm cherry picking from a results standpoint for the same reason that he is because it supports the argument. I'm just kind of showing devil's advocate here that he's oversimplifying the situation. But I think the bigger problem it is, is clear. Williams hasn't been very good. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, of, of all the things I just said in there, he's the only one who had a splash play in that he assisted on a two-yard loss, a tackle for loss. I think that he was fine in this game. I, 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 he was as fine as everybody else. Like I said, they had good plays. They had bad plays. He was in the backfield a little bit. Um, my, my bigger point is that the spirit of what Art is saying is correct. It's clear to me when I rewatch those first couple of drives that those two are more active in the backfield. They're more they're, – they're schemed away from. They're triple teamed more often than the other guys. I do get what he's saying. But to just kind of throw those results around there, it, it it's just a real quick like looking at a stat sheet, looking at a roster sheet kind of situation. Yeah, uh, I agree. They have to be better. They have to be better. The defense has to be better. But Art is right. Those two guys are clearly the best two guys in the field. He's just saying it in a very oversimplified way that kind of was frustrating to read. But it's fine. All right. Let's get into this game here. San Francisco. Um, How do you feel? Tell me how you feel about the game. Not good, Grum. Not um you know we said at the outset of the show that uh this is the worst possible time to play one of the best teams in the league if not the best team in the league i mean you can make an argument that san francisco is the best team in the league um i I, you know even if we were completely healthy and this game was played on a sunday at one o'clock i would still be very nervous about this game you know right now it almost to me I'm trying to get into the mindset of like, okay, well, let's get out of this without anybody getting hurt and just try to keep it close so it is a game. Um, not having Barkley, not having two um, offensive linemen means I am going to be fearing for Daniel Jones' life, very honestly, because I think you know the odds of having any sort of running game that can be sustained and I think are very, very low and – you know, this might be the uh, the Darren Waller game where he gets, you know, 15 targets and, you know, you might see an incredible statue game out of him. But other than that, I, I don't know how this team is going to generate any offense. And this is not a slight on Daniel Jones. And I don't want to hear Daniel Jones slander after the game that this is going to be his fault because, you know, that's going to happen. You know, this they have one of the best pass rushes in, in the league. They have one of the, one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, and, you know, there is ripe opportunity for turnovers and an and offense is just stalling. And one where it's like week one where Daniel Jones is running for his life. I you know I'm glad he has the legs. I think he can make something out of nothing. But I can't see this team having sustained drives where they're going to have 12, 13 plays to, you know, eat a lot of time off the clock and, and matriculate down the field and score. And I'm not sure how much time Daniel Jones is going to have for the quick strike. You know, the, well, I don't think you're going to see stuff like in the second half of last week where Jalen Hyatt has got time to blow by a cornerback and, and be open and have uh, Daniel Jones hit him deep. So 
it's one of those games where you just try not to make mistakes and try not to beat yourself because they are probably going to beat you and beat you like a drum. Don't make it worse on yourself. Just try to play as sound as you can and close to the vest and just try to get out of there. We've got people getting hurt. I'm going to be slightly more optimistic than that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I know as like a fan, I'm I'm not expecting a win and I'm not trying to do anything except get out of there without getting hurt. But as a coach, I'm not doing any of that. Um, on offense, uh, so that, that starting projected O-line is Zudu Glowinski, John Michael Schmitz, McKeith, and Neal. And that's, you know, that's pretty awful. Um, we're, we're operating without Barkley to generate a spark or break a tackle as well. Um, so I, I guess for, from a run game standpoint, try to use some power running. You know, Brightwell offers you kind of a different skill set than Barkley and Breda. And I think that you should use a one-two punch. I don't think Breda is really built to handle a full load. And I really wouldn't want to have Jones dropping back too often. Um, I think also they have some really, really quick, fast off the ball interior defensive linemen with like um, Kinlaw and, and Hargrave. Just because they're really fast off the ball. Maybe kind of take advantage of their eagerness by, you know, using trap blocks or something like that. Just get them to overcommit to something. Think that they are beating a really bad O line. Um, I think that's kind of. And if you can, utilize Wandale. He's questionable for this game. I think that he offers you a run game element, even if it's just deception and orbit motion out of the backfield and stuff like that. Um, as far as passing goes, don't be scared to drop deep and test deep. And I think that they should do it early, not necessarily for results, but for future Daniel Jones dropbacks. If you if you don't throw deep, everyone's going to sit on everything underneath and they're going to pin their ears back. So when you do drop back, they're going to, destroy Jones, make him run for his life, and they're going to pick everything off. So it's important, I think, to scheme up some some good protection for him to or get him out on a on a on a rollout and just throw deep. Make sure that they're covering deep, spreading the field out and not just crowding around in the box. Um let me let me, let me ask you go back to Wandell for a second. Yeah, good. If if he's doubtful for this game, but they decide game time decision. I think he's ready to go. Does it really make sense to have him in this game or just to get the other, the other 10 days rest for him? And so we really get into the meat of the schedule where he's hundred percent. Yes, because a, he's not doubtful. He's questionable. And B, uh, because he's not freshly injured. He is recovering from an injury that was almost a year ago. So I, I viewed this whole activation of him off the PUP list despite being inactive for the first couple games as a ramp up period for him to kind of like shake loose. So I don't expect him to play in a game at, you know, like 20 snaps or anything like that, but eight to 10 to knock the rust off, I think is important before, um, you know, throwing a full or a bigger workload at him. And I think it's okay. also a smart time to do it because you have the long rest period afterwards. So he can work off some eight to 10 snap rust and then he can rest, let any, you know, swelling or whatever go down. I don't think there's going to, people have been, beat writers have been saying that he looked ready last week, you know, stuff like that. So I actually think that he might play. Okay. And, but I mean, handful of snaps and just for that, you know, shaking off the rust. Got you. Okay. 
Defensively, I don't know what to do. Uh, contain McCaffrey is obviously the, the first objective, but I don't know how to do that if they can't defend the run. We just went on like a whole 20-minute thing about how we don't know how to help them stop the run. And more importantly is him in the receiving game. This has to get fixed. Open field tackling was terrible last week. It was god-awful. And yes. if they have any hope of containing McCaffrey and not letting him just take every short pass 75 yards, they have to get hands on him and rally to the ball because you're going to need a group effort to tackle him anyway. So they need to complete tackles on first contact. Uh, as far as Brock Purdy goes, you know, he's a really great story, and I think that he has a lot of tools that make him a legitimate NFL starter more than just a cool story. But he is still growing, and right now a lot of their stuff relies on perfect timing and good tight window throws which he's good at that's what he can do right now so what they need to do is disrupt that timing that is very important and force him to operate off schedule because that's where you're going to be able to exploit him for now uh down the line for brock purdy he might be able to adjust that he might be it what do you think about like the long-term projection of brock purdy (laughs) i think in an offense like this i think he can thrive and be in pretty success he's a smart guy makes you know makes good decisions doesn't have to do too much um you know if he was just a free agent and he all of a sudden was signed to somewhere like you know the chargers for example or somewhere where they're trying to you know air it out more i'm not sure if he'd be the best fit for it but for someone where you're you're leaning on a guy like mccaffrey you you have you know you know the tight ends that they do and you know they're just trying to you know, control the line of scrimmage and, and win that way. I, I think he's he's perfect for what they're trying to do. I think and so I too. Think but I think I think in the future he could still be like a Tom Brady type, where a lot of his stuff is you know happening before the snap, and there's short passes that he's working through progressions. Yeah. With your money maker big plays, I think he. I, do, I think I think the San Francisco system allows him to grow into that potentially. I think that's a possibility for him. And I think also one of the biggest things that he's getting out of this is confidence. And I think you develop faster and you, you know, maximize your potential when you have confidence. When you are, agree. When you're, a quarter, when you're a quarterback and he's getting that confidence because he's in a very successful system right now and he's had, he's had personal success with it. I think if you're a quarterback, you know, that's coming into the league and you are running for your life all the time and you are losing – and all these different things, I think that can stunt your the perception of you by your coaches as much as your confidence in yourself to do well. So I think, you know, this is a perfect storm for him to be successful because of the success he has already and he's fitting in really well into this. Hit me with your prediction in this game. I predict by the fourth quarter we will have moved from the couch to watching the fourth quarter in the bedroom. Um, cranky wife, you know, brushing her teeth and watching her hair and getting ready for Friday at work because this game is out of reach. Uh, and me just sitting there in a catatonic state, just, you know, upset. Uh, this is just unfortunately, it's just, you know, the, the perfect storm of not good things happening first Thursday. And, the most important thing for me at this point is not, well, we lost, we lost like shit. It's 
what can I parse out of this that is a victim of circumstance versus things I should genuinely be concerned about going forward? You know, if the, if if Daniel Jones gets sacked five times and we have no running game, and it's because we have a patchwork offensive line and guys are getting, you know, blasted that you know in a in a perfect world wouldn't be playing. That's one thing, uh, you know. But if we see things that you know look like there's systemic problems that are just beyond a scheduling quirk and this short-term batch of injuries, that's what I'm going to get nervous for. So I'm going to try to watch this game with the mindset almost that I'm watching a preseason game. You know, I know the odds of us winning are very, 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 very long. I'm going to try my best not to be super pissed off that we are losing. Um, But I want to see, I want to see a team that's, fighting I, I i want to see i want to see more of the second half effort that we saw against arizona as opposed to the the turds we saw for the first six quarters um as for a score prediction it may not be as ugly as we think we're not going to give up a billion points i don't think but i also think we're going to score much of anything either i'm, I'm going to say we lose this game 31 10 I actually think that we come out and surprise, maybe even score first, depending on the opening kickoff and opening drives. But uh, I think that we have something special up our sleeves for a quick strike. Uh, I think also that there's a chance we score defensively. I also think that this game is completely out of hand. You get the feeling it's getting out of hand right before halftime, and then it's totally out of hand. And I think this one ends 42-20. So, you know, like, and I think they'll definitely have a defensive score or at least a turnover that puts them inside the red zone already. What is the one thing you want to see, though, out of this game? Because I have something in mind that I want to see. What is the one thing you really want to see coming out of this? I want to see them generate pressure on the quarterback. Oh, you got – that's just what I was going to say. The exact same thing. I – I've been a little underwhelmed and disappointed so far in the lack of a, you know, a, a, a pass rush getting to the quarterback this season. I, I want to see it this week. I want to see a concerted effort to try to, you know, it, as much as we've been complimentary of, of Brock Purdy until I still have a little bit of the show it to me to prove it to you're a really good quarterback in this league. He still has only played like how many games has he started in his career? Oh, not many. Oh, you mean like like going back to college? No, no, in the NFL. Has it been 10? 10 already? So he is still a relatively green quarterback in this league. And we've been sold a bill of goods on Wink Martindale is that he takes either average quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks and creates havoc. And I understand this, this is a really, really good team all around Brock Purdy, but he fits into that latter category of a relatively inexperienced quarterback. Let's make his life – more difficult for him than he's expecting. Um, you know, let's let's have Kayvon Thibodeau actually be a primetime player. We've been told that he he plays when the lights are brightest and everything. Really haven't seen it much yet. I want to see it this week. I want to see improvement by guys like Leonard Williams this week. I want to see some exotic stuff. I mean, we got nothing to lose in this game. Let's try to at least, especially when the game is early, when it's still you know. 
an outcome up in the air, try to force their hand, try to create a quick score because we're not going to be able to grind out long drives. It's going to have to be quick strikes and, you know, game-changing plays on defense. So go for it. I mean, you're Wink Martindale. Be, uh, be aggressive. I want to see a turnover as well. I think that they're ripe for one right here. I think that uh, those tight window throws into like a confusing man cover system with guys like Trey Hawkins who have been very good and tight in coverage. Uh, it's certainly possible in this game. I'd like to see it. Um, nevertheless, I still think this is a, a pretty bad loss that gets out of hand after halftime. Washington is hosting the Buffalo Bills. I've got the Bills winning this game. How do you feel? Uh, same. Uh, I, I think Buffalo is a team that, you know, I, I think people jump on their bandwagon really too quickly and then are a little too overly cr- critical of them a little too quickly also. Um, is this team a Super Bowl contending team? I don't know. Is this team better than Washington? Absolutely. I think I think Buffalo wins. Yeah, I think Buffalo takes a step back, but I do think they're better than Buffalo. Um, oh, Buffalo for, is better than Buffalo, yeah. Uh, sorry, Washington. <laughs> um, one thing I forgot to mention, we, we predicted these to be a, a loss, the Giants-Niners, in our pens and pencils predictions. Yeah. We both we, we both had that one in some solid gold ink. We didn't like we didn't like where it was in the schedule, regardless of you know we we didn't know about any injuries, but yeah, this this looked bad. Um, Dallas is heading to Arizona. I've got this. This is a Dallas win, right? Yeah, I think that was the Arizona game. That first half is probably the first half, the best first half they're going to play all year. I think that loss was backbreaking for a team that organizationally is trying to trying to tank anyway. And I think that sapped a lot of life out of the players. Not that they're going to be tanking, but I think that was a devastating loss. And now you're facing – where is that game? Is that game in Dallas or in Arizona? Arizona. But it was – I agree with you. It was a gut punch to lose that game. And there will probably be 50,000 Cowboy fans there too. So that will make it even more demoralizing. That would be a Cowboys win relatively easy for them. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that one. Um, Philly at Tampa Bay. The good one. I um, when I was in Vegas last month, I bet the under on Tampa Bay winning. I think it was six and a half wins this year. I thought that uh, you know, the last vestiges of the triumph of the run with Brady were would be swept away from this team. I thought this team would be awful. I thought they were still. You know, there were some believers in a team that I didn't think was any good anymore. And uh, that still may be the case, but look at them. They're 2-0. and And this league is about confidence. We talked about confidence before with Brock Purdy. When you start winning, you start getting some confidence. Philly? Philly has not been Philly just yet this year. Um, this is Monday night game? Yes. In Tampa. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I think Philly gets their mojo back. I think they win. I've got Tampa winning this one. Ooh. This is prime Faker Mayfield. It's the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's not enough film on him in this offense. He's doing a lot of things where he's like escaping tackles and the you know, like sacks. 
and throwing some. Mike Evans is playing out of his ass right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think He's that. This, yeah. I don't think that this is built to last. It never is with Baker Mayfield. Um, but this is prime Baker Mayfield's time. This is when he's at the very beginning of the season in a new system where nothing's expected of him. This is where he does the right shit. Their defense is still operating good under Todd Bowles. They, I mean, I know the Bears are an, a complete disaster right now. Oh, and, yeah. and Justin Fields' end to that game was fucking pathetic. But nevertheless, uh, I think that they're... Todd Bowles' system is very like turnover heavy. That too deep safety thing. They're right place, right time. Big hits, timing, things like that. Philly right now is a little hurt. They haven't been quite Philly, like you said. Um, it's Monday night. It's in Tampa. I just think that this is. It's just timing. I don't think that Tampa is anywhere near Philly's league. I'm not trying to say that. I just think it's. Philly hasn't had a good start. I think they can get upset by a uh, lowly Baker Mayfield. You know, I uh, I'm in a text group with a lot of my friends that are Buck fans from from back down there, and I are they said, hopeful? They are cautiously optimistic about the Bucks. Um, I I in that text group though, I said that Baker Mayfield is Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0, where the first four games you have him. You think you have found a diamond in the rough, and then those next four games you are ready to dump his ass. So, yeah, I mean this kind of tracks. So, uh, you know, I I just think that uh, you know, Philly's too good to be in this malaise that they've been in for too long. I I think they they break out of their shell. I admit that it's kind of a bolder one. All right, That's so right. hey, yeah. That's going to do it for us. Uh, We will not be back until our normal time, Tuesday morning. Give it plenty of time to process. I will be active on Twitter in the interim, you know, discussing the game, etc. I will just be unable to record an episode until our normal time because I will be away. Um, But uh, I will be heavily invested in breaking down this game afterwards, especially if it's a lot closer or a lot further away. if it's a total blowout and it's a disaster, I will be active on Twitter, bitching and moaning. And if it's really close, I will be active on Twitter, being pretty excited. Yes, I will be down in Gainesville again this weekend, uh, also watching a couple of Rays games. So after this Thursday, I will uh, – I'm sure I'll be bitching about something this weekend. So uh, you know, I may make my triumphant return to Twitter this weekend. You never know. Just make sure you're uh, – you're following me at the Cranky Fan, and, and you never know what you might see in your feed. And at the football gr- at football underscore grump, and at Just Giant Pod, and of course, be sure to subscribe and follow the account on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube. Until next week, let's go Giants! Go Giants! Let's go!